So we've just got a chat, basically, about what are we going to talk about? Vegetarianism? No. Yeah. Well. E-bikes. Not with a liver pate that's sitting down there looking at us. We've been, <laughs> we've been having a, what have we been doing? So let's just start and say, Paul, Aston, Paolo, Astone. Um, Paul Aston, I'm 33 years old and I've got a really bad flu. <laughs> and my voice seems to be leaving very quickly. So we're going to talk about biking. No? Bike industry? Let's talk about mountain bike industry. E-biking. We went e-biking today. Yeah, we did. On a That's very good, good bike, actually. I have to say, one of the very best bikes I've ridden for a very long time. So hopefully it'll be superseded by another better bike next month or the month after. Maybe. One day. Maybe. We'll see. But anyway, very good bike. So we've been chatting in the last few days as we've been doing some testing and stuff just about the bike industry and all kinds of things. No? And what have we been talking about? We've been talking about, let's talk about journalism. Oh. Let's talk about, first of all, mountain biking journalism. Who did you work for before? What were you doing? Uh, for the last four, four and a half years, I was working for Pinkbike. Mm -hmm. And before that, I was, I did a few articles for Dirt Magazine and Bike Magic back in the day. But, but <clears throat> I would never call myself a journalist. I was a bike. Tester, test editor, technical editor. Yeah. Um, definitely not a journalist. A journalist is someone who goes and seeks out the truth about real, <laughs> real hard-hitting yeah. let's, stories. Let's, let's be honest. Like, we're not going to save the world with bikes. No. Or maybe we will. Einstein we... said that bicycles will save the world. Einstein said. That. Albert Einstein. Yeah. Why did he say that? Uh, I think you could just see into the future and the way society's going with more people, more cars, more pollution, and he thought that bicycles would be there. But it's pretty bad. I mean, from my house to the centre of town, I can go on a bike and it takes me from leaving the house to parking the e-bike, in this case. Uh, I've got a spot where I can park it. About 45 minutes. The beer man's here. Just... The beer man's here, that's okay. You want to be famous, no? That's it. Christopher Louis. This is funny. And this is Christopher. Christopher La Senorina. See, that's. There's a girl off camera, but to avoid dodgy comments about girls, <laughs> <laughs> we're not letting her be seen. Kirsten, the girl's nothing to do with me. It's <laughs> all 100% Alex related. Hmm. So I don't really believe Einstein. I brought a book a few years ago about Albert Einstein quotes on cycling. And one of the quotes in there was, he said that bicycles are going to save the world. Well, I didn't really have much confidence in it until recently when I've been getting more into e-bikes and doing a lot of e-bike riding. Yeah. I think a bicycle with an electric motor does have the potential to make a massive difference, especially in big big cities in the future. Well, 
if we want to take a technical way about it, we could say that an e-bike motor, is it triples or quadruples our power? So if we're power is one, it adds three. So we're four yeah. times as powerful as riding a normal bicycle. Is that right? Am I right? Uh, not in my case. I don't know if you've seen these, these guys, but uh, you've got about a 10% legs. boost for me. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess average, jokes aside, average increase in power could be two to three times more. Um, yeah. But the, the most important thing is, because a lot of people comment on, that the amount of power isn't really that much, you know, 250 to 500 watts mm. isn't really that much of an increase in power. But the battery doesn't get tired. That's what I think the most important thing is. Yes, it does. Well, it takes a year, doesn't it? 600 cycles to get tired? Yeah, but I mean, like in a short, if you're sprinting up a hill. Oh, yeah. Or doing like multiple repeats, the human body gets tired, whereas the motor just keeps yeah. keeps on going. So, there's a lot of hate towards e-bikes in certain areas of the world, and in other areas of the world, they love it. So, we look at North America, they're getting there, they're liking it. Mm. Right, every year at sea otter <laughs> there's a bit more e-biking and less hate uh europe there's a lot of everyone loves e-bikes in france italy germany's particularly in love with e-bikes i yes. saw a statistic that bosch reckon reckoned there'll be nine million sales of e-bikes per year by 2030. I don't know if that's true, but that was a stat. Is that just, just from Bosch or? In I think it was in general, it was the whole market. So, and there's penetration of bicycles, they call it. Bad word, but <laughs> I don't want to be penetrated by a bicycle. But in any way, shape, size or form, especially if you get like a bar in the leg or, oh, yeah. that really hurts. And yeah, every now and then I'm gonna look at the is it all right? Yeah, it's all right. Paul looks all right. So this is really good. I can move his camera a bit closer. Yes. Okay, so. There we go. Paul looks a bit better there. Before everyone starts complaining about my quality of my video ring. This is a pretty ad hoc thing that we're doing. We're just trying to sort of have a conversation about some interesting things, I suppose. So. Journalism, let's get back to the point. It's, what are we supposed to do as journalists with Bicycle World? What are we, what is our job? Do you know what our job is? Well, like I said, I wouldn't call myself a journalist. Mm. I just mainly focus on bike testing, product testing. Um, yeah, it's quite difficult in the bike industry. There's in general, there's not like a lot of money to be made by journalism. Mm. There's not like a, a way you can build up to sort of higher levels of, no. like if you're a news, if you want to report the real news, yeah. you can start off at your local newspaper. Yeah. Probably earn like an average, average salary and then mm. you can end up on BBC or Sky, you know, in a war zone. in. Iraq, Afghanistan, Serb, uh, Syria. So you're, you're being a journalist, 
ish, not a journalist, tester. And then uh, you have to write. Oh, we've got some light on Paul. Well, the, the responsibility of a journalist is to relay the truth or search out the truth yeah. and relay that truth to the public in an unbiased, an unbiased way. So, have you? Is it hard to be unbiased in the bike industry? Well, in my in my experience, no one ever told me you can't write this or you have to make this look good for this company because they're paying for advertising. That never happened. No. Um, no. But it is really hard to take a product and if you think it's trash, to to simply write it's trash. You know, you need to needs to be backed up with evidence or opinion. Uh, mm. But isn't that true of any any good analysis of anything? Though you have yeah. to, we can't just say it's crap and that's yeah. it. Throw it away. We have to give a reason why. No? Yeah. So, so it's not like out of the ordinary. So, and there are checks and balances, i.e., different opinions, editor. There's the. There's pretty much everyone has a. There are lots of different factors, no? Pushing. Oh, yeah, a lot of different factors is one of the problems why it's really hard to give a strong opinionated or factual review because yeah. you could take you could you could ride the same track every day for a week mm -hmm. and every time you go down it the conditions are going to be slightly different it's true wetter drier gets a bit more bumpy you might have rocks fall into the trail sun's blinding sun's you in the blinding eyes you. One day it's cloudy and the light's all flat. The next day it's sunny and it's all dappled, you dappled can't light. Yeah. So Mud to, on the goggles. You miss a bike for a few seconds yeah. on a corner. Like to get any real evidence. It's not like car racing or motorbike, uh, MotoGP racing. Yeah. And go to a track and they can measure the track surface, and they can actually measure which bike is the fastest, yeah. but or which car's the fastest, but. On a bike, you can't do that. There's no, all track conditions, rider conditions, mental, mm. the mental part of it. If you're feeling good or bad, or if you start to get tired in the afternoon after you've done a few runs, yeah. it's really, really difficult to get like solid, structured results. And it happens. You see it now in the World Cup, World yeah. Cup racing. Everyone's super professional, yeah. and everyone's got time and systems and. We've got cars arriving. Cars everywhere. We sort of did it at a really awkward moment, but <clears throat> with not much light either. You don't want these shouty, shouty Italians. No. Who are complaining to their children. <laughs> Three of them. All I can hear, I live in Italy. I live in Finale Ligure. I don't really speak Italian at all. But all I can hear when Italian people are shouting, which is quite often, is shouty di shouty. That's all I can hear. Shouty di shouty. Ah, see. Si. Shouty, shouty. Shouty di shouty. Uh, yeah. Go away. <laughs> anyway. So. Yeah, I'm a massive fan of electric stuff. Yeah. Like, the long-term sort of hope or view of the world is we've really fucked it up in like 30 to 50, 60 years. Yeah pretty much gone past the tipping point of 
ruining everything. But in the short term, 5, 10, 20 years, for people like us Westerners living in Europe, North America, any Western societies, like technology is going to make our lives way better in the future. Yeah. Like in the very short future, like we're going to have automatic cars. Probably within five years, we'll be getting into like a Tesla or equivalent mm. and just putting Google Maps where you want to go or telling Siri where to go and all. Will it take us down very narrow lanes? Yeah. And will, it, will it be able to navigate through the gap? Maybe. Nobody can narrow, navigate through the gap yesterday that we tried no, to get. No, it was impossible. Yeah. So <laughs> I had to put the wing mirrors in. They really are shouting, aren't they? Oh my God. Anyway, so let's, I don't know really, we're supposed to just be chatting, aren't we? So it doesn't really matter. We're not on a strict time scale until the battery runs out. 77% on that. I just came here for the food. Yeah. So the, so journalism, we're trying to, we're trying to basically, but let's think about it like this. Mountain bikers or bicyclists, cyclists, anyone who wants two-wheel transport, they've got to take their hard-earned cash and buy a bicycle. Now, I remember I used to work in Halfords in the 90s, claim to fame, and sell bicycles which cost 100 quid. And now I ride bicycles and test bicycles that cost 10,000 quid or 12,000 or I saw a custom bike in a bike shop the other day the guy bought a pivot frame he put envy wheels on it <laughs> <laughs> and then he put uh, full XX1 just blinged it up total price 15 16,000 euros it was yep. a lot of money for a custom bike now, aren't we trying to help people by doing what we do, spend their money wisely? Or are we just, isn't that important, no? Well, every bike review that I've done or product review, the bike reviews are a better example. I just try my best to be as, you know, as critical as possible and tell the people what is the best bike for. Yeah downhill riding or enduro riding or whichever, e-bike riding. Mm -hmm. Because my biggest fear was like take a 30 to 50 year old guy who's working too much, super stressed out and he saves all his money, he might have a family, wife, kids. It's an expensive time of life. Expensive, yeah. Yeah, a lot of expensive shit to pay for. And he gets to go out maybe maximum once a week on a Sunday and to like a downhill track or shot, shuttle day. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then in the summer, he might go to Morzine, for example, or Whistler mm -hmm. for a one week holiday in the summer. Mm -hmm. My biggest sort of fear, fear, it's not really, like you said, it's not going to change, change the world. But that poor guy that's, okay, or girl, could be yeah. anybody who's been like working really hard, saving up for their dream bike, gets to the Alps on their first day of the holiday. And the bike that they brought, because me or someone said it was really good, the bike sucks. And then it could potentially ruin their, ruin their holiday. Yeah. Or they could fall off if it's, you know, 
unstable, going over the handlebars if it's too... You couldn't fall off on the bike we were riding today. If you went Impossible. over the handlebars on that bike, it would be... I tried, but I couldn't fall off. Yeah. So it was impressive. So we'll talk, I'll talk about that another day, but, you know, it was Let's impressive. Let's talk about it now. <laughs> yes, Paul, why should we talk about that bike now? No, let's talk about... Yeah, what are you doing now then? So you've quit journalism. Yep. You quit. Ha, let's get asked that question. Important point. Yeah, well... Did you quit or were you pushed? Um, <clears throat> I pushed, i.e. somebody said, you just did something you're not allowed to do. No, I, well, essentially, I, I quit. Okay, but you quit how many months ago? In uh, January. Ah, so you, and then? Well, I didn't quit. I asked for more money, okay. like pay-wise, like a yearly uh-huh. salary increase. And they refused it or didn't want to pay as much as I was asking for. Mm-hmm. So I just, I was like, well, no. I want to work for this much. They want to pay me this much, so. Busy job, so. Essentially, mm. it was mutual. They didn't kick me out. I didn't okay. quit them, tell yeah. them to. Sometimes relationships just go that way. Yeah. There's no, it's every, every, there's never a perfect situation all the time and people just go in different directions, I can understand. Yeah, that. I got, I don't think, there's no hard feelings either way yeah. between, like, yeah. it's pretty normal. I think people yeah. have a job and then they decide they want more yeah. more money for whichever reason and yeah. they didn't think I was worth what I wanted and I didn't think it was worth me doing that work for what mm. I wanted, so. Yeah. So you were doing <coughs> quite a lot of different reviews in the last few years, especially you focusing on downhill bikes yep. and you were doing e-bikes and I noticed that there was also some little product tests going on on there. In fact, it's pretty hard not to notice. Yeah, we ended up with a couple of reviews. And let's, let's get to the point. We're 21 minutes in. So oh. the point of one of the points is interesting is, yeah, there was a wheel company called, was it N? Envy. Envy, yep. that's how you say it. I don't know how you say it. Who specialise in carbon products, no? Yeah, so. 100% carbon. Yeah, and make some pretty nice looking stuff, I have to say. Their road stuff, their, ro- their bars, I've seen everything over the years, it looks good. It's been used by pro teams, it's been all over the market. Mm. So they're well respected, I would assume, and by most of the teams and people who are using them. But... <laughs> yeah, I had some, some, you had some You had some issues, but first of all, you, they make a whole range of products, yeah? Yep. Now, every product is different, I assume, yeah? Yep. Right, so every product is different. And they had some niche starting up recently. How long ago did they start their, was it e-bike wheels? Is that what they did? Well, <coughs> they sent me, I think they're called M735E wheels, which is their e-bike wheel set. Uh, the rim itself is essentially the same as, or is the same as the non-e-bike version. Okay. Uh, the difference is the e-bike version has round, thicker gauge spokes. Okay. For, they told me two reasons. One reason was there's more twisting force on the hub. I would agree with that. Yeah. I don't know 
if it actually translates to force on the wheel. There must be more force, but... Well, you assume we're putting four times more force in from our legs. Yeah, I don't know if it actually makes a difference to the, yeah. the hub twisting inside the wheel or not. Yeah. Somebody, a professional, would have to prove that to me. Well, I've been inside the DT Swiss factory and I've seen a lot of the tests they do on wheels yeah. there. And I do know they do those kinds of tests yeah. So in the wheel making world. So yeah. I don't know what Env do, but... I, there must be a difference. I don't, yeah. I'm saying that I don't know what the, what the difference is or if it's yeah. measurable or, or whichever. Mm. Um, the main difference is they use the thicker spokes for to carry the weight of the bike more, mm. making stiffer. And on the e-bike, you often find yourself like off in the middle of nowhere, right into the woods, mm. right into the forest. So maybe if you get a stick in your wheel, or mm. you know. You need stronger Something, spokes. Yeah, you basically need stronger spokes for just I to have, stop them. I have broken stuff. wheels with sticks and wheels and derailleurs yeah. and all yeah. kinds of things. And, you know, yeah. I did a bike test. I left the the hut. I was testing for, what was I testing? I don't remember now. But it was, uh, I left the hut where all the test bikes were with the boss of the company, which was, I can't remember the name now, which company it was. I went up the road, focused, that was it testing for focus and unfortunately the chains were too short derailleur <laughs> they just built them and they were in a mad hurry which is yeah. happens everyone's nightmare as you now know working in commercial world and yeah it just seemed like there was a slight misadjustment derailleur went into the wheel and within 20 meters of testing the bike I destroyed a 400 euro electric derailleur or 300 euro electric derailleur a wheel and a chain and i'd also bent the frame so <laughs> on the rear gear hanger which was, they didn't have a spare or they i didn't they didn't have a spare but they didn't have a spare derailleur so we had to then take it off another bike and yeah anyway so things happen it's not it just happens no so anyway so you're riding along and what's happening with your world of <laughs> well the first one i was in uh we were in Whistler filming and my friend and sort of colleague, co-worker Ben Winder was shooting some photos in at home in Finale for me and I sent out a friend to be the model, bike model, Federico, who works in the local Evolve bike shop, a uh -huh. really cool shop, nice guys yeah. and he's a really good rider. So I really need to, needed to get these photos done. Yeah. Like as soon as possible while I was away. And uh, Ben went out with Federico, Federico modelling, and uh, literally rode 30 or 40 metres into the track. <coughs> Did this small jump. It's like. It's a big Range Rover. It's like us with our e bikes. I have to apologise for production quality here, but never mind. Look, it's almost like you're about to be shot. Can you see this? There's light across you, across your chest right now. It's like there's a mafia hit out. <laughs> you can't see into the lights. Bah, there we go. There we go. You're saved. Right. So, so yeah, Federico went off the first jump on the trail. Yeah. And the, basically the wheel just, the rim just completely failed. And like, what you call it snapped and 
Oh, it separated properly. Separated. So it wasn't round anymore. It was like a spiral. Yeah. Well, it's just like, oh, okay. got like that. But it lost all the pressure out the tire, like yeah. instantly. Kind of like a front wheel washout. Luckily, missed the two trees that you have to go through. Okay. When you're on the jump, and he was really upset. And he called me and sent me voice messages while I was away. Because he just broken. He's like, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry, Paul. I broke your wheel. <laughs> and I know they're really expensive. I was like, well, don't worry, buddy. Just. Are you okay? Well, I hurt my arm a little bit, but as long as you're okay, the wheel don't matter. It's just, it's just a bike wheel. I don't want to injure my friends, send them out on my bikes. Yeah. And then they sent me another wheel and we rebuilt it. And then, or in the meantime, I'll be using the, I'll come back and I've got the back wheel on my bike, mm -hmm. on a different bike. And I've done, I can't remember, you'll have to, read the review but 50 to 80 kilometers i've got it written down somewhere okay. and then the back wheel just completely failed and then there's a few more shoes they sent me a new wheel and mm -hmm. rebuilt the rim got a carbon splinter in my finger i've had splinters and that's yeah. not nice no. do you know why carbon splinters really bad yeah so if you get a wooden splinter mm -hmm. in your skin your body recognizes it as like a foreign object oh. and that's where you get like an infection when it okay. pushes it out oh, okay. but as carbons i don't know the word neutral artificial innate innate yeah innate is a good word yeah. your body doesn't recognize it and it'll just stay in there for forever forever yeah that's why you don't want to get carbon inside you okay. well i don't know if there's any negative to it at the moment but mm. possibly in the future it could be like asbestos where Everyone's like, ah, oh, asbestos is fine. Yeah. Oh, actually, if you get one bit in your lung, it'll, Ooh, no, it'll we kill don't you. Want asbestos, then no. you're dead. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so I just wrote wrote a review, and it was completely honest, and it was nothing to do with leaving Pinkbike, and I didn't get sacked. Some people think that I got sacked because I wrote the review, but hasn't it had more comments that one story than probably any other story ever, or not? I haven't checked, but it's up there in the top five or ten yeah. Um, yeah. so but the um well yeah it was we had it in our news basket for at least four weeks and it was signed off by pink bike it was signed off by envy and yeah. they gave a response mm. and in envy's defense they didn't ask me to change anything they didn't ask me to not publish it mm. they didn't try and like off any backhanders or anything like that. No. They were just like, well, I even, that was your experience. I even heard about the story it was going to be published through a friend of our, a mutual friend of mm. ours. So that was interesting. So I even knew that it was coming. And yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So it wasn't going to surprise anyone really who yeah. was being professional about it. No, mm. it, was, it was a professional story you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, there was hardly any opinion in there, from what I can remember. It yeah. was purely fact-based. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, the e-bike wheels, I use them on e-bike. I always check my tyre pressures. Some people say that I was running much too low tyre pressure, or mm -hmm. I was running 24, 26 PSI front and rear, which is what I always do. Yeah. How much do you weigh? 74, 5 kilos. Okay. 75 with all, my, all the kit on. 
about almost 180, 190 pounds. For yeah. Uh, 165 pounds. Yeah. I need Google to translate for me the maths. Yeah. And I'm like a fairly quick rider, but I'm quite light yeah. in general on the bike. So. Yeah. But I didn't do anything. It wasn't like a hit, a rock, and it was like, wow, that was a big hit. So what point did they break then when they were riding with you? Was it just well, like... I, only, I only broke one. So Federico broke one doing the jump. Yeah. And I broke one. I was riding down the rocky trail, and there's a few like loud sort of rock to rim contacts. Mm -hmm. That's pretty normal, isn't it? Yeah. Rock to rim. I've, yeah. I've made wheels look old after a couple of runs. So. Yeah, but it wasn't like a major thing. It's no. like, oh, knock. A graze. Oh, yeah. knock. Okay. And then just everything. So, what do you think then about carbon wheels in general? Let's just talk about that. I just think they're complete shit. Yeah. Well. <laughs> but some companies have changed from one brand to another when they're like, you know, on their pro teams. And then you've got videos, testimonial videos of pro athletes trying to destroy them and not succeeding. And yeah. I've seen carbon wheel production in Taiwan. Mm. By, I think it was at FSA, their factory, producing mm. wheels. And they were producing road wheels, I think, actually, that day, or cross-country wheels, whatever they were looking, I was looking at. And it's a very intensive process. So yeah. there's like, there was five people working on one rim at a time between all the different elements that they were doing. And they could do, I can't remember the numbers, it was something like between 30 and 40 rims per day. And there was a big yeah. factory, it was expensive production. But, so they're making things, but they're making it for, they wouldn't be making it if they didn't believe in it, wouldn't, would they? The companies? Wouldn't, well, <coughs> wouldn't, why would you make carbon wheels if you don't believe in it? Because there's a, an intensive amount of money is in needed. I mean, there was in this factory, I saw 15 molds, each mold costing 30 to 50 grand to make. I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm yeah. underestimating there, but I know they're, they're expensive. I yeah. mean, you would make them, wouldn't you, if, if you believed in it well i think for <coughs> road biking i'm not a road bike expert at all but there's some advantages for road biking they can they can make aero profiles they can possibly make them lighter uh stiffer xc biking with some possible sort of advantage mm -hmm. but for enduro e-bike down on mountain biking. I can't see any advantage. Mm. Except there's the new Zip wheels that sound really good. <laughs> and the new Crank Brothers wheels that could be really good. They're both single wall profiles. Okay. Whereas every other carbon wheel on the market is essentially have taken an aluminium rim construction. Yeah. It's like a, a dual, a, a twin wall section. design. Box section. Box yeah. And they've just copied it. <laughs> Italian dude on the phone. Yeah, they don't care about anyone's personal um, space. No, not at all. And they've just copied it. And not like I'm not an engineer and I'm not a materials expert, but if you take one material and one shape and you copy it in another material, it doesn't always work. Different properties. Yeah, it doesn't always work. You're it's right. like 
you don't need to be a genius to realize that that's not the way to go about it yeah so the zip wheels and the crank brothers wheels mm. they're single wall construction and they i haven't tried them but mm. they offer more uh bounce flexibility flexibility yeah. the SRAM wheel says it can flex like laterally torsionally which makes sense uh yeah, they're more forgiving. But I don't think there's any carbon wheel on the market that's not really expensive, really stiff, or uh, heavier than, equal to, or heavier than an aluminium. And in certain equivalent. aspects of biking, we could say really unnecessary. Yeah. Or what you're saying. Yeah. I, don't, I really don't agree with stiff wheels at all. I don't know why anybody would want a really stiff wheel. I think that the centre of the bike needs to be the stiffest part. Mm -hmm. Anywhere from the centre, so the centre I would call the head tube to the bottom bracket, mm -hmm. needs to be the stiffest. Anywhere outside of that needs to get gradually more flexible or compliant. Mm -hmm. So your handlebar grips, you want flex or compliance from the But let me ask you a question. What do you think about carbon bars compared to aluminium bars? Have you ever done a back-to-back -back test of a carbon handlebar versus a carbon... Not of real good equivalents, no. Yeah. Not properly. But in general, the carbon bars that I have rode yeah. were really overly stiff. And they harsh. were overly yeah. stiff, yeah. So yeah, from the centre of the bike, it should go, let's say, hard and soft. The centre of the bike should be the hardest. Mm. Further away should be the softest. Mm -hmm. So your handlebar grips, it should be soft. As you work down to the tyre contact patch, mm. that should be the softest. And in an ideal world, the tyre would be the softest part, followed by the rim, followed by the spoke structure to the hub, mm -hmm. into the fork, up into the frame. Mm -hmm. So you get like a gradual, constant progression of soft to hard mm -hmm. into the middle of the bike. And then you get the best uh, grip, Pump compliance, yeah. comfort, and precise handling. Mm -hmm. If you take a really flexy frame and put really stiff wheels on it, mm -hmm. that's like completely the opposite way that you you want yeah. to go about it. Doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah. You can maybe make up for having a really flexy frame. If your frame's too flexy, you could put mm -hmm. stiff wheels on to try and band-aid it, but can't we end up with, but you need to be have some pretty good skills as a rider. If you've got a stiff frame, stiff fork, stiff wheels, my experience... You need to be fucking strong. You have to, I, in my experience, testing... I had test, testing bikes. You really, sometimes, if it gets jittery or... You have to have some skills to know what's going on and that there's a difference, that there's something happening, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not always obvious that something's happening, and yeah, and you have to have to know that it's happening. So yeah. Anyway, so yeah. So that's carbon wheels. Well, aluminium wheels. What's wrong with aluminium? Why make carbon? They just because let's. I had an aluminium wheel that I rode down. Let's call it a hardcore enduro trail, rocky and. With no tire on it, because well, it was tire was yeah. on it, but it was flat. Got to the bottom, and it was still pretty much in one piece and yeah. working. 
because it is more compliant, I suppose. So, durability? Is there a sense in greater durability with metal uh, or carbon? What's the... It depends in, on... In, without over, you know, reaching past a, a, yeah. well, a break point of some sort? Obviously, it depends on the particular mm. rim or wheel in question, but from my experience, an alloy wheel will have you can do like small damage to it. They might bend the rim, like the sidewall of the rim, mm -hmm. or ding it, or buckle the wheel, mm -hmm. which essentially doesn't happen to carbon at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're all repairable things. And they very rarely have like a catastrophic failure. Whereas a carbon rim will just be straight. Smash. Straight, true, no dings, and then it'll crack or snap or delaminate. Yeah. So have you ever heard statistics from any downhill teams that run carbon wheels versus downhill teams that run... Because I've yeah. heard stories, and I don't know if this is true, but like I heard that when the Athertons were in... Uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the track. Fort William, there we go. Like one practice session for a race weekend at the Downhill World Cup, they went through like 20 sets of wheels just, yeah. just by riding and doing normal things, well, normal racy things that they're at the limit. And in fact, one of the top skills, if you want to ever be, hey kids, if you ever want to be a downhill World Cup mechanic, you have to be able to build wheels really quickly. Yep. <laughs> I've heard rumors that Jason Marsh can build a wheel in six minutes. I don't know if that's true. He's had a lot of practice, you might say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to rub any salt into any wounds, but... <laughs> All right. I need a stiff drink. I've got water. <laughs> so, yeah, I've heard lots of people just smashing tons of wheels. But World Cup downhill racing is arguably a bit different to the average, or a lot different to the average consumer. Yeah. That they're right on the limit of all their equipment. And no. I think if you see a World Cup downhill racer breaks something in a World Cup race run. Yeah. Like, all of the general public shouldn't be like, I'm never buying that handlebar because it snapped, or that frame because it snapped. Mm. The because only... those guys are just on the limit of mm. every product, every line, every corner. Because everything. when Greg Menard smashed his carbon frame, yeah. I was there that day. It was very interesting because People, I didn't see much negativity about it, but the fact was he was going bloody fast. The bike went flying through the air and hit a large solid iron pole yeah. and folded around the pole. So in my case, and that was how heavy is the bike? 20 kilos flying no, through 16, the air? 17. Yeah. yeah, 17 kilos flying through the air at 30 kilometers an hour, 40 kilometers an hour, 50 kilometers an hour. Hits a very large immovable object. I would, on a fine line, on a corner edge, it's going to break. Yeah. So. And the direction's completely the opposite direction yeah. to the way it's designed to absorb. But, or but, be and I did notice some fear in that moment that it happened because on the social media, if you looked around, there were sort of photos of and video sections from various phones of, I don't know who, but were covering up the frame with like blankets and coats and to hide the yeah. hide the the death. And I was a bit like, okay, well, never mind. But 
I, but I didn't think that was necessary personally because it was a fair racing incident, you know? Yeah. Yeah. MotoGP bikes, they go around the track, they lose grip, they fly off the track, mm. and they destroy uh, well, the fairing, the exhaust, yeah. everything, and they rebuild it, and not a single person would ever complain yeah. in the MotoGP world about that happening. No one would say, oh, look, look at Honda. They just yeah. scratched their fairing and yeah. therefore... So why is mountain bike a little bit personal? Why is mountain biking personal, do you think? If you take those examples, you know, you compare it. Because it shouldn't be, should it? It shouldn't be. Why are people living in fear of these sort of yeah. negative reviews, maybe, when there isn't anything to be scared of? Because this is life. Life happens. Something happens that There's way. There's a, uh, a lot of brand loyalty in mountain biking. Yeah. I, I guess that's the same in... MotoGP, but maybe there's less, less brands in MotoGP, maybe. Yeah. So there's more equal spread of people between each brand, whereas in mountain biking, you get these little tribes of people who are like a Santa Cruz fan or a Yeti fan or an Orange fan uh -huh. or a Nikolai fan or whatever, name whatever brand you want. Hmm. And there's a lot of money invested. There's a lot of a lot of people who spend a lot of their own money mm. and time, research, looking at different bikes, choosing the one they want to buy. Uh -huh. Then they buy the brand new bike. And then if somebody says something negative about it, they get really defensive. Yeah. In the same way that if I met you... So how said, was my riding today, Paul? Tell me. How was my riding? I won't... I better won't. than your clothes. That's what I was going to say. If you if you turn up in the pub mm -hmm. wearing these clothes and I say the shit, you're going to get offended because you've yeah. taken time to choose your clothes that you think are the best or what you like. Well, you haven't, but not most people do. <laughs> I and that's what people get like with bikes. They've spent a lot of time and passion and energy and they've bought what yeah. they think is the best. And yeah. if you say something negative about it, they you instantly get defensive and yeah, they in the car it. world we'll look at top gear okay so there's a famous top gear story a while ago they had an audi a ferrari and something else and they were racing it down a runway in spain a closed runway and underneath the ferrari the carbon uh like fairing underneath switching the channel rather than actually just changing the volume because i don't want to distort uh, the uh, the fairing underneath the Ferrari had kind of worn away from the dust being blown up underneath yeah. the runway. The Audi R8, no problem. Perfect condition. They said it was like, wow, you know, mate. So, but do Ferrari get upset about that? What do you think? I don't know. Do they? I bet somebody gets upset. I bet there's tons of owners or fans who would instantly argue no i had i had a ferrari 355 for 20 years and i never had a single single problem with it uh -huh. you don't know what you're talking about i had one and it was mm. fine you get you get a lot of that in the bike industry mm. again going back to the envy wheel review I had tons of people comment or message me saying 
Oh, well, I had, I had envy wheels for 10 years and never had a problem. Mm -hmm. You also get people messages saying, yeah, I had those wheels for one hour or two hours or one day and they broke, so. Mm -hmm. There's a big range of reliability and use and users and conditions. Mm -hmm. Well, I haven't had envy wheels. I think I've ridden them a few times. And I've had carbon wheels. But I wouldn't say I necessarily got past any limit on any of them, I don't think. I've had aluminium rims where tyres have blown off yeah. because the rim profile's a bit narrow. Yeah. I haven't cracked any carbon frames. I haven't cracked any carbon handlebars. I've bent aluminium handlebars. I bent a titanium handlebar many years ago. Quite impressive. I don't know how much that, but... I, here's a good anecdote, a few years ago I had some alloy wheels, and I won't mention who they're from, but I asked, they said to me, oh, we want to send you some wheels to test. Yeah. I said, I want these 30 millimeter wide ones, so which was just when, was it eight o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> Italy, just shut up. It's noisy. It really is, honestly. If you want to do anything in Italy, it's a really you have noisy to accept country. the background noise. Yeah. Doesn't matter who it is. See the bells, people shouting, upper cars, yeah. Piaggios. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so going back to the wheel. And I chose some wheels at the new where I lived in Finale, the centre of the wheels. And I just Dinged an alloy rim, like beyond repair, mm -hmm. like first run. They sent me another rim, did the same. Then they sent the wheels back and they rebuilt the wheels. Or they said they were going to rebuild the wheels. Mm -hmm. And then the guy emailed me and he was like, oh, you've been abusing these wheels, doing enduro and downhill use on them because it's obvious they're completely destroyed. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I've just been riding my local trails, which is in Finale, you know where Finale is. Yeah. They've had eight or not eight EWS, no, six yeah, I mean, EWS every year. It has a, it, it has world profession, professional level racing there because yeah. it's a professional level yeah. location. Yeah. And then this, this conversation went on for quite a while, email conversation. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that I hadn't been using them for the correct purpose because they're all mountain wheels, not enduro wheels. Mm. And I said, well, I've just been riding them on my local trails. Yeah, they're enduro tracks or whatever you want to call them. Uh -huh. And then he said, I will send them back if you promise to only ride trail and all mountain on them. Okay. Then I was getting a bit frustrated by this point. So <laughs> I took a picture from the house, from the balcony of the mountains out of the house, which has all the, or a lot of the EWS trails on, which I ride quite often. And I said, is this mountain included in all the mountains? Or is this mountain excluded from all mountain? And he never replied, never sent me the wheels back. So. That's a fair, fair question. Yeah, all mountain should include but what about Over Mountain? Do you remember the whole Over Mountain over movement? Yeah. 
That was an interesting play on words. Yep. That's good old e-bike, isn't it? Over mountain. Oh, up and over and down. Yeah. Yeah. Up and over and back again. So, interesting. So, Paul, is there anything you're doing now? What are you up to now? Because you've left the journalism world, or the non-journalism journalism yeah. world, and now you're in the commercial world. Why would you do that? What's What's, uh, what's, what's interesting for you about that? Well, earning a lot of money has never been important to me, but I just got to the point in my life where I thought I just want to earn enough money so I'm comfortable and I can afford the rent every month. And I can pay for the insurance on my car every year when it comes up. and uh. I can take my girlfriend out for dinner and I can buy treats for the dog and all that shit that I've just spent 15 years, my whole adult life basically, just struggling to do. Yeah. Uh, the second reason was, I think I just get bored of everything after four or five years and always want to move on, change, yeah. reinvent myself. That's mm. a bit hippie-ish. But. So you've got some interesting bikes that you're on now. Let's say everybody calls them extreme, but you call them normal. I've been riding one with you today, and I would say they're pretty normal. Because the opposite you of don't, extreme, I think. They're not actually extreme. They're pretty, they're, they're pretty good, so... Well, know. if you only look at geometry charts on the internet, mm -hmm. they look extreme compared to what is the norm yeah. at the moment. Now, for people that don't know, I'm working with Nikolai and some other companies. Okay doing product testing, development, feedback, test rides with consumers and media. So you and media went out today and yeah. yesterday. Sorry, today and tomorrow for a ride. Yeah. And, uh, well, we went out yesterday, but we were drinking beer. Yeah, yeah. Out, 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 out. Out, out. But yeah. like out on the trail, yeah, today, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just taking people for test rides talk to them about the bikes, explain how they work. Yeah. Maybe if they have no idea about bike setup at all, help them set the bike up, mm -hmm. watching them ride the trail, seeing like what body position they're in, mm -hmm. seeing if there's any major issues and seeing if it's something that we need to fix on the bike to help them or it's something that they, they need mm -hmm. to fix for their, their techniques. Would you say most actual commercial companies need somebody who's come from the journalism world into, or the non-journalism journalism world, sorry, yeah. uh, <laughs> and come into commercial world because you're like worth a lot to them in the sense of you've seen a lot of brands, a lot of things, and I mean, would you say every single commercial company needs that because maybe you've got less, uh, you're able to sort of, can hear yourself, yeah? I can't hear you, no. Oh, oh you should. Hang on a minute. I'll turn the volume down. No, you should be able to hear me. Hello? Testing? Testing? Hello? Hello? Hang on a minute. God, I've lost you. No. You're on, I'm on the sound. I'm recording. You're there, are you? You're still there. Yeah, I'm still there. Can you touch your volume control? Ah, there's a volume control. Wait, 
goes that way. Can you hear more now or less? Nothing. I can't hear anything. Can you hear anything now? <laughs> can you hear me now? I can hear you. I can hear you. I can't hear you all. Strange. You fucked off, mate. I can hear me. Oh. Hello? Hello? You're coming back slowly. Okay. Right, so. Yeah, a lot of companies can do with a, a link between the company, the yeah. marketing team, the engineers, designers, yeah. product managers, and the media, I think. So it's a positive mood then for you, move then for you. You're yeah, really... I love it. Well, the main reason I moved there was I'm really... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the word is, like really precise about what bike I want to ride and mm -hmm. how it handles. So, I have an idea. How many bikes have you tested in the last couple of years, five years, four years? Different bikes. If you just random number, 30, 40, 100, 100. Wow. In five years. Yeah. And would you say what you're riding now is, from your point of view, the best? Yeah. Well, I only bought one bike in the last five years with my own money, and that was a Nikolai Geometron with a pinion gearbox. Okay. Didn't pay full price, admittedly. <laughs> so I handed over, handed over some cash. Yeah. I bought some other bikes. I got a BMX and Deutsche bike and mm. trials bike, that kind of thing. But mm. the only mountain bike that I paid for in five years was a Nikolai. And I've tested a few of them and they're really convincing to me. There's, they really do do everything better than any other bike that I can think of. Cool. The only thing that don't do better than other bikes is have a lower number on the weight scale. Ah. But I don't think that's a problem at all. No. No one's ever won a downhill race by having the lightest bike or even an XC bike. Right. Like if, if it was only the weight that mattered, the person with the lightest bike would always win. Okay. But that never happens. How how heavy is a normal downhill bike at the moment? Pounds or kilos? Ah, oh, depends. I think on the downhill track. bike I would say is sixteen to seventeen kilos. Okay. Which would be thirty-four to thirty-eight pounds. pounds yeah. And the that when you translate that into the world of uh Oh, it's happy birthday now. <laughs> In English. <laughs> so, and you're translating the bikes you're currently riding, That's they're, they're in that weight category? Yeah, we should weigh one, really. But I always build my bikes with downhill tyres, heavy wheels, big brakes, yeah. quite often coil shocks big cassette, alloy cranks. A lot of people get really confused or angry. They're like, oh, how can this enduro bike weigh more than a downhill bike? Yeah. It's like, well, a downhill bike has, or doesn't have a dropper post, no. which is really heavy. Yeah. It doesn't have a massive cassette, which is really heavy. Sometimes um, it only even has three or four sprockets on the cassette because they've removed yeah. them all and put just spaces yeah. in their place. Yeah. yeah. And all the other stuff weighs the same. 
like downhill tyres wear the same yeah. on a trail bike or a downhill bike. Yeah. The wheels essentially wear the same. Okay. Handlebar, stem, brake levers, brake calipers, all wear the same. Uh-huh. A coil shock. If it's this long on an enduro bike or this long on a downhill bike, essentially weighs the same. Yeah. That was a good comedy back show for that. <laughs> so it's... Yeah. I don't know. And... I think a lot of people just keep looking at the number uh, on the website or the scale and they just use it as an excuse when they pedal up the hill when they get tired and they want to I'm the same I want to I'm pedal up a hill I get tired hot your legs start to hurt and you think of any excuse under the sun that you want to you want to stop pedal up and the yeah. easiest one is to blame your bike and oh, if this bike was a kilo lighter I'll be flying up but yeah. Do you know? Do you know? Like, if we're trying to put price per kilo, is there a like a price per kilo for an e-bikes or bikes in general? Or has anyone ever worked that out? Price per kilo for a bike. People have done it for some parts. I've seen it for parts in the past. Because yeah. some parts, or the price per gram is astronomical. Like when. <laughs> If people have a stem and they want to buy a lighter weight carbon stem, which costs 200 euros yeah. and saves them two grams, it's 100 euros a gram. gram. That's a good night out for some people. It's a lot more than weed. Yeah. Probably, I don't know about cocaine, probably the same as cocaine. I don't know. I haven't Tip. ever paid for that. <laughs> I've never taken any cocaine in my life. So. Nor have I. I'm boring. Yeah. But do you think now in California, where weed is now legal, there's a lot of mountain bikers smoking weed and just riding and not feeling the weight anymore because it's numbed <laughs> them to the world? <laughs> the answer is there. I, I smoke some weed occasionally, and I don't know how, how people can ride a bike and smoke weed. And when people say it's a performance enhancing drug, there's no fucking way that it enhances any, anyone's performance. Okay, fair enough. I used to go to the uh, the BMX jumps a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. And there was always like two or three guys that were there. And they just sit there all day, just smoking. And I, I never smoked anything when I was a kid. Just sit there smoking for hours. And they just like get on the bike and just drop in. And they, they just like boost so high, just float in the air. And they're just absolutely perfect. And they do like one run or two runs. And then that was it. Then they go back and just start smoking again. Wow. And when I was a kid, I just thought, what a waste of like all that talent or life yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Incredible. Well, maybe it's a performance enhanced drug in that case because they could barely walk, but they can, <laughs> they can boost, boost higher than anybody, just like super relaxed. Yeah. Have like really good. Like, 20, 30 foot doubles are like super sharp, six or eight, ten feet high, and they just just float over them. Epic. Yeah, maybe it's a performance enhancing drug. Maybe we should try it. There's, I, I don't know, performance enhancing drugs. Do, do they help anybody in the mountain bike world? Do you think? Like, not say cross country. Let's talk about. Enduro, downhill. Well, think? it's 
because it's pretty it's pretty sketchy. You've got to pick your way through the rocks. I'm not quite sure. Not as I, I haven't bench tested EPO or anything like that, so I wouldn't know. I know there's some journalist yeah. out there has actually done that test and did find yeah. himself. The worst thing about performance enhancing drugs is just getting them. <laughs> That's what I find. <laughs> Can't get any anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> has Pink Bite ever been commissioned to do that when you were there? No. To talk about drugs and their benefits or not? Because they don't ever uh, talk no. about nutrition or any of those things. I noticed. No. They didn't, um, did they? But we broke the big story about uh, Richie Rude and Jared Graves uh, yeah. testing, no, what is, what is it called? A failed positive. Yeah. They didn't test negative, they had a, they failed a positive I haven't test. heard anything since then, that story. What's, do you know what's going on? The story was that they were informed by the AFLA, uh -huh. anti-doping French yeah. ADA, ADFA, whatever it is, French yeah. anti-doping, that they'd failed or produced a false positive, whatever yeah. it is. Uh, you can obviously Google this and find the exact yeah, wording so we the, don't get into trouble for saying the wrong thing. You should thing. definitely Google this because I've, <laughs> I've had three beers. Yeah. Um, and it was Richie and Jared that came to us or to Pink Mike uh -huh. and said, we want to we want to publish this story. Mm -hmm. But I think nothing else has happened because the Drug Testing Association, yeah. who tested them, mm -hmm. haven't actually published anything yet or okay. uh, find them or found them or anything official yet. Let's just like say one thing, though. Jared is currently fighting other issues. Then. Yeah, um, I don't think he... I assume um, that's the least of his issues. Yeah, and we just wish him the best mm. with his health, yeah. obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I met Jared a couple of times. He's really... Yeah. Amazing, rider. Nice Amazing rider. Amazing yeah. rider. Amazing, nice, yeah. calm... But yeah, it was, it was those guys that they sort of held their hands up and said, we think, or we've been told that we failed a drug test. Yeah. And... We think this is why, from, I, I didn't read the full story, but uh, from these supplements or tainted products, mm. whichever. Uh, but the reason it hasn't become anything bigger or you haven't heard anything since is the Drug Association hasn't mm. officially cautioned them or banned them or fined them or anything. So it's like an ongoing, ongoing process. This is interesting and probably the last thing we could talk about and then probably cover quite a lot of controversial things, I would say, today. Uh, <laughs> how hard is it to make a perfect product? Because we're talking about tainted, performance-hancing minerals, whatever we were, they were taking, uh, wheels, frames, perfect bike, you've tried 100. How hard is it to make a perfect product? Like, you've tried 100 products, at least of bicycle yeah. frames, etc. How hard is it to make a perfect product? It's really hard if you have to comply with all the standards, which everyone will laugh at, all the different standards, mm -hmm. and what the consumers expect. So weight's a good one. Yeah. A lot of consumers expect for different categories that 
flexi bike should weigh mm-hmm. 20 to 22 pounds. Yeah. Trail bike should weigh 24 to 26 pounds. An enduro bike should weigh 26 to 30 pounds, etc. So a lot of people, or a lot of companies are focused on hitting a weight target really? above a lot of other things, mm. I think. Okay. Uh, and yeah, hitting like fashionable numbers on a geometry chart, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's happened a lot in the last year or two, the geometry. Yeah. The whole world seems to have gone geometry mad. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's kind of, I don't remember it being spoken about in the level of detail yeah. that it has recently. But. That's partially because a lot of the other stuff has got so good that the geometry becomes more noticeable. Yeah. Like 10 to 15 years ago, you're more interested in your fork not blowing up every two runs, and your brakes not overheating, yeah. and your tyres staying on the rim, and the rim staying in a round shape. As now, to be fair, most of that stuff is really reliable, good weight, good price, mm-hmm. durable. Is mountain so. biking too expensive? In this perfect product lineup, we're looking for a perfect product. What about the perfect price? What is the perfect price for a mountain bike? It's really expensive, that's for sure. I always get—I don't know what the perfect price is, but I always get people ask me which bike. If I had to buy a bike at full retail price, which bike I would buy with my own money? And the answer that I give most often is, I wouldn't buy any of them. Okay. Like if I if I like had to spend six to eight thousand euros of my own money, uh-huh. I wouldn't buy any of them. Okay. I'll take my BMX or buy a BMX for three hundred euros. <laughs> and I'll take my van or buy a shitty van and I'll go and live in Spain for a year and just eat rice, potatoes, just ride BMX every day and then okay. start afresh after a year or go to Thailand for a year or. So at the end of the day, we're no closer, despite our truthful reviews. We're working in the commercial world. We're analyzing everything. We've tried a hundred things. We still don't have an answer of necessarily how to advise the public properly. In a, yeah. It's hard. Uh, it's impossible, isn't it? Yeah, if you want to advise them for a complete holistic package of what they should buy, it's yeah. really impossible. But I think you rode that bike today. Yeah. I'm just... Okay, so the Specialized have a really good bike. Yeah. They're e-bikes. Really yeah. good motor, really good software. It's impressive. Uh, like the nice little LEDs instead of a big display it, in the frame. Like, you can run it in dark mode if you want. Run it in dark mode. You've got the little tiny yeah. uh, mode changer on the handlebar. That's a really good bike, really good system overall. But I don't think anyone could argue that it rides better overall than that Nikolai bike. If you want to ride that Nikolai up a hill and down a hill, that's good. There's nothing that can compare. Yeah, the Bosch, is it a Generation 2 motor? A normal Bosch motor? Yeah. Gen 2? Yeah. 3? 2? It's a bit clunky and you can argue it's a bit heavy. Mm-hmm. You can only get a 500 watt hour battery, you might want a 600 or 700 
nowadays. Mm -hmm. You might not want the big display on the handlebar, but there's no way you can beat that bike up and down mm -hmm. a trail. I challenge anyone, anybody that wants to come with any bike they want to my trails or I'll come to their trails. You can take a timing system, film system, whatever you want. There's no way you're going to beat that bike up and down. Absolutely impossible. So maybe you have the perfect bike in the back of your van right now. Maybe. And the same with the non-e-bike. There's no way. <laughs> the G1 is a new, the new enduro bike. Yeah. There's no way that anyone, anyone's other, any other bike can beat that up and down the hill. Or I don't believe it. I'd like to see someone prove it wrong. And I'm happy if someone did prove it wrong, I'd be happy to accept it. I'm not 100% biased towards. That bike and that brand, but you just can't can't beat it. There's a couple of brands that are really close, but the brands that are really close have essentially copied what Nikolai and Chris Porter, Geometron did yeah. for at least at least three years ago, I think four years ago. Okay. But what they're producing now is basically a copy of what they did uh -huh. for yeah, maybe five years ago now. Okay. Wow. Cool. Okay. Getting intense though. Getting intense? Yeah. Have you tested no. no. That intense Daniel bike is really good to be fair. Yeah. That was my second favourite Daniel bike. Isn't that Santa Cruz? Or isn't Santa Cruz an intense? Uh, well, I haven't heard of Santa Cruz, the new Santa Cruz Daniel bike. Because they're very simple. They're the only two sort of bikes out there which like seem yeah. to be from the same cut and the same cloth, no? Yeah, they're quite similar. I haven't heard of the new Santa Cruz. Yeah. Uh, but Gwyn seemed to be happy with it. It's that pretty, was that was a genuine. really good bike. Yeah. It's pretty genuine about it. So still think the the Common Sal Supreme is the best downhill bike you can buy. You've ridden that, yeah. I've ridden that loads. I brought uh, that's another bike I brought. I brought a frame off Common Sal. Oh. Still haven't got all the parts for it. It's in my garage. But you'll be building it up. But hopefully I'm gonna build it up soon. So even though I'm working for Nikolai, we're not you know, some companies would never like even test other brands, but yeah. we've got a new project, so. Well, I, I know really most much, companies but... like base, they do benchmark their stuff against other companies. Oh, some do. That's a fair point. I know yeah. I've heard that they do that. And I've, yeah. I've never seen another brand's bike in another brand's shed, should we say, yeah. but I've definitely heard that they do follow each other. Yeah. And. I suppose that's fair, because at the end of the day, everybody's trying to get to the perfect product, no? Yeah. I think that Nikolai and Geometron, Mojo Rising, like, um, and me, none of us are precious. Like, I'll admit that I'm going to go ride, I'm going to build that bike, hopefully next week. Yeah. A couple style bike. I'm going to ride it, I'm going to test it, I'm going to see what's good, see what's bad, or I know what's good about it already. Yeah. And then you can, you, you can use that to input into your own products. And... The new downhill bike we're working on is polarizing is the only word we've got for it so far. We need some more words. We need a marketing team yeah. to come up with some, some words. And some flashy stickers. Uh, got, we've got stickers. Hashtags. Hashtags. And we need some influencers. Yeah, we hope that's going to come out in September. And that yeah. no one, no one's ever seen anything like it, I don't think. The only thing that could possibly be like it, and I don't want to give anything away or too much away, is 
Honda. A Honda down all by. Ooh. Interesting. That's the only thing that's like in this a similar realm. Wow. But that Honda bike was 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah. Didn't they crash it and destroy them all? Supposedly, yeah. Uh, there's two left, I heard. Yeah. Greg Menard's got one in his shop. And Martin Whiteley has one, I think. Okay. There's no more. So they're, they're precious. Those two are real precious products, those two yeah. bikes. Yeah. And the one that was stolen. Wherever that is. But it didn't have the gearbox. Ooh. The gearbox was actually a derailleur attached yeah. to a plate and some like homemade derailleur. Yeah. yeah, and like chains in there. Yeah. It was interesting. Definitely interesting. You should talk to Martin Whiteley. Okay. He's the most if you want stories, he's like the ultimate just ask him a question or like point him in the direction. Uh-huh. So if you just say, Uh, oh, what about that Honda downhill bike? About an hour later, or two hours later, you've heard everything. All the most amazing, interesting, funny stories about the Honda, down the Honda bike, or mm. all the different projects he's been involved with mm. and riders in the past. It's an interesting world. Being in this sort of constantly evolving sports product world is exciting. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, it's really, really mm. exciting. Unaffordable, but exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Paul. No, thank you. Sorry that I'm Sick. struggling to talk. It's People brilliant. can't understand me at the best of times. No, my, but you, you, you don't sound too northern. With my Dudley. You sound all right. West Midlands, in the mid yeah. Midlands. North of London. You're from London, so. Yeah. Yeah, people can't understand me at the best of times. So. No, you've been clear. With a flu. Yeah. Oh, because you can e-bike, you can ride with the flu. There you go. There's a, there's a tag, line. Do you know one of my favourite things about e-biking? <laughs> <laughs> go on, man. A lot of them is, I do this quite a lot. You can get up, get up in the morning. I'm not going to say early. You can get up in the morning, sometime during the morning. Have a coffee and a snack at home, breakfast, and then you can ride. Down a trail, well, I can ride down a trail, I'm pretty lucky. Ride down a trail to a cafe or restaurant. Then you can just gorge yourself on all the best coffee, <laughs> cakes, brioche, focaccia, sandwiches, pasta, whatever time of day it is, whatever you want to eat, you can just eat it all. And then just fly up the hill to the next trail. Whereas you do that on a normal bike, and as soon as you start pedaling, you're like, this is, this is heavy. too hard. All my blood's in my stomach. Yeah. Eight out of my 12 litres of blood <laughs> are in my stomach, not in my legs. E-bike. No problem. Straight up go. there. All right. Well, take it easy. Cheers, dude. Bye. Thank you.